0: So, with that in mind, we've, I set up, part um, we've, wise, we've, we've published this Bible study, a seven week Bible study called Biblical Prescriptions for Life. It's seven weeks to help people lose weight, lower their risk of ta- cancer, heart attack, maybe with your doctor's help get off um, some medications. Um, people are doing this with their friends and neighbors, and what we've experienced so far around the country is first, we talk about it and see if anyone's interested. And at the end of today, if you think you're interested, there's going to be places you can sign up. You can take them in this community. We also, of course, if you wanted to start something in your own community, that's available too. But we've found out that once people do it themselves, they say, wow, I do feel better. That wasn't hard. There's one or two things I can do to improve my health. I don't have to go to A to Z all at once. I can feel better. I am going you move one step at a time with the Lord helping you and people all of a sudden realize, you know, we can make these changes. And once they learn how to make these changes, say, listen, I'm going to go out and invite one or two of my neighbors to come to my house. We're going to do the Bible study as well. The Bible study is a video that you watch for 20 minutes and each day have a lesson. I had the fortune to be friends with K. Arthur at Precept Ministries, and Beth Warren, they've helped me write this, so it looks pretty much like a standard Bible study, but it just has a little bit different tilt. This is health, health counterpart to Dave Ramsey and what he does to financial peace, basically. And today, I'm hoping to give you some information, and you can pray about it and see if you might be interested in participating in a seven-week Bible study called Biblical Prescriptions for Life. But before we do that, let's just bow our heads and ask for God's blessing. Father God, you know each person that's come here today, and you have something for them. And please use me to to get them some benefit from from you on high, Father. And thank you for this time we have together is our prayer. Amen. So in our first lecture, a lot of people don't know why we're sick. So that's what we're going to accomplish In this first lever, I want to understand why we're sick and understanding the reason why. That sounds like a daunting topic, but after 30 minutes together, you're going to understand why people get sick. And if you can understand the reason why, then you have a greater chance of finding out the solution. If you never understand why things happen, it's hard to fix problems. So I want to ask you a question this afternoon. And you don't have to raise your hand or anything. You can just mentally put this in your your mind. Are you happy with the way you feel? Now, that feeling might be a physical feeling. Are you happy with your energy level? Are you having medicines? you have medical problems? But remember, our health is more than the physical. It also involves our emotions. um, What's going on in the brain affects the body, as well as your spiritual health. Are you happy with the way you feel? Now, if you're really happy with the way you feel, that is great, but maybe if you listen, we can find one or two things that we might make you encourage so you can even be happier. And the second thing is, would you like some changes in your life? Perhaps that might change might be to reduce medications. Remember, medications treat symptoms and not all the time cause. Now, there's a place for modern medicine. I send people for bypass, and we bypass people, and we put stents and heart attacks, but that doesn't treat the cause. That treats the symptoms. So we have to take the next step. Would you? How about having a little more energy? Would you like to improve relationships? Would you like to have a greater purpose in your life? Well, I hope the answer to these is yes. I would like to feel better, and even if you feel like you have a lot of energy, maybe you could have more energy. So biblical prescriptions for life and talking about things we first have to understand why we're sick and we spend a whole week in the bible study explaining why we get sick why do we get sick why is there so much sickness in the world why do i need medicines why do i even need to go to a study to learn about this well my journey um, i went to medical school at the University of Texas San Antonio, and then I did internal medicine in the Philadelphia area, and then I did cardiology up the road in Lexington at the University of Kentucky. And then I practiced in, um, in Cincinnati and Nashville before settling into Chattanooga area. And I learned that in medical school they didn't teach me everything I needed to know. They taught me a lot of great things about how to treat um, emergencies and how to practice modern medicine, but they didn't teach me a lot about getting at the cause of disease. So I did, I was looking for the cause of disease, and one day I was taking care of a gentleman that had multiple myeloma. He was a, a young firefighter, and it seemed like this was only yesterday. This, this was back in the, the 80s, and he was 26 years old, never been sick a day in his life, and got multiple myeloma. And I was an, an intern there in Wilmington, Delaware, And I was in charge of being the first line of care for him. And no matter what we did, bone marrow transplants, chemotherapy, everything we had to offer. He got sick and he got lots of infections and he had to have transfusions. Um, He had two children. They were young. And he was a big strapping guy, a firefighter, never been sick a day in his life. And he was in the hospital on and off for six months. And I got to know him very well. And no matter what we did, nothing could solve this multiple myeloma. And he had eventually passed away. And I can remember when he passed away in his early 20s, I just felt so helpless. You know, medicine didn't train me for this. Um, how, you know, there should have been something I could have offered him, something, some words, something. But I really did Nothing. And it really plagued me that that happened so early on in my career, I felt like just quitting right there. You know, if, if, if we can't take care of you know, people that die, why, I don't want to feel this way anymore. So in searching for answers, I started really at that time really looking in the Bible for answers to health care problems. And that's where I realized that God gave us biblical prescriptions for life. And I gradually through the years have learned how to go and find the scriptures and find the scriptures and get the science behind it because all the scriptures has science. We now can prove God's word and then figuring out ways we can apply it to people's lives, just like you might take a pill, just like you might start exercise. why we can apply biblical prescriptions to change the chemistry. And I learned that biblical prescriptions never had side effects. Biblical prescriptions also change the whole chemistry of the body. Not like a a pill might, might, might help one thing but hurt something else. A biblical prescription helps everything. All the cells in the body do better. So I started to look at the Bible for answers to the reason why we're sick. So nowadays, if you look around us, there's all sorts of stress at every level. And you know, we hear about the wars in Afghanistan and Syria, and you know there's wars in Africa going on. People are fighting all the time, um, and that, that's a big stressor on our world. Um, floods and natural disasters, we hear about them more than ever today, um, and that causes a lot of stress. Not only to the world that we live in is undergoing stress but the people that are undergoing these natural disasters. And when we hear about this on the news, you know, it doesn't make you feel better. You feel bad for all the people. Then lately we've heard this, all the Zika viruses and mosquitoes and different diseases that are spread. and, And, you know, there's the stress of that. and The people that are getting these vectors from these mosquitoes carrying these diseases, that's causing stress. And lately in the office, these people have been causing lots of stress to my patients. They come in and they say, listen, we don't feel like we have, you know, it's distressing me for whatever reason. Now, I've got to be careful because I don't want to get political here, okay? Um, you might have a favorite. But the, the, the bottom line is po- politics causes stress. And yet there's stressors in our world like never before. And you have to admit, there's more stress going on than we can handle. Then if there's not physical stress, emotional stress, There's the the relationship stress. Relationships are under more stress than ever before. You know, just think about in your lifetime, are we seeing some of the things, you know, some of the confusion that exists now? You know, which bathroom should I go into? Which sex should I marry? You know, should we talk or text? You know, how should we communicate in this world? So there's stress in relationships all around us. And all of this stress, no matter where it comes from, whether that be emotional stress, all the inputs from the world that we get, our food that we eat, the rest, the exercise, whether we're hydrated or not, many different things affect our health, and eventually it causes stress in our bodies. Now, we just use this term loosely stress, and I'm going to define stress as we go on, but basically what happens... All this changes our very DNA, and it causes our body to age. Aging affects the d- DNA. The telomeres get shorter. We get aging. We have mutations. Parts of the body break down, and parts of the body break down at different speeds depending on which part you use the most. You know, if you, if you, you, know, if you use your legs a lot, the legs tend to wear out first. Um, you know, if you hit around a lot of noise, ears, sometimes the ears wear out first. Um, If you're under a lot of stress, sometimes the brain wears out first. But all these stresses actually change our very DNA. The DNA mutates, and eventually that causes a change, and we develop a symptom, and we go to our doctor, and the doctor treats the symptoms. But sometimes the doctor can't get at the cause. And over the past 25 years that I practice, I looked at the rates of cardiovascular disease, cancer, diabetes, obesity, mental health, and all of the chronic conditions, the incidence of all of these continue to rise. Healthcare expenditures continue to rise. In fact, one to four and one to five dollars that we spend now in healthcare is uh, in, in our, our money gross domestic product is spent on healthcare. So you ask yourself, are we really getting better? Which brings me to the story of Michelle. Michelle came to visit me in the office several years ago now, and this is a true story. Michelle worked as an executive secretary for an attorney in downtown Chattanooga. And she had worked for this attorney for about 20 years when I met her. And and her story, you know, is going to unfold here. And when Michelle first came to me, she was having chest pain. A lot of people come to me because of chest pain, shortness of breath. But her story really began when she had hurt her heel. And she had hurt her heel, and she wore high-heel shoes every day. This was the attire. She had to sort of look the part. So she wore high-heel shoes, the business suit. She was dressed to the tee every day as she worked as as an executive assistant for this attorney. She loved her job, making all the arrangements, making sure everything was in line. But she wore these high heels, and eventually the high heels caused an injury in in her heel, and her calcaneus, so she went to see a podiatrist. And the podiatrist said, listen, I'm sorry, you know, we're going to have to do an operation on your heel. So Michelle wasn't too excited about that, but she said, yeah, I guess I, guess I have to do it. Um, will I have to be off work? Yes. So they did the operation, and they put her in one of those big boots that you walk around with. And he said, listen, you're going to have to stay off, off your heel for six weeks. Well, she continued to have pain in the heel. It didn't heal very well. The next thing that she knew that happened to her, she she used to go to the gym every day. She used to go to the sports barn, but she couldn't go to the sports barn and exercise, so she gained a few pounds over six weeks. Because of her pain, you know, the stress of the pain, she needed some help with that, so she ate a little bit more. Now, diabetes did run in her family, and it wasn't long before she developed diabetes. So she went to her doctor and said, listen, your blood sugar is a little bit high. You need a medication. Here's this metformin. Here's metformin for you. Help bring down your, 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 your blood sugar. And the next thing she did, the metformin made her hungrier. Okay, so she started eating more and more food. And she was still having pain in her foot. wasn't healed. She wasn't exercising. And the next thing she knew was she was eating salty foods, and her blood pressure went up. So she went back to the doctor. She now had high diabetes and high blood pressure. So he was alarmed even more. So he put her on a blood pressure medicine, okay? one that took fluid out of her body first. Well, it took too much fluid out of her, and she started getting cramps, and he checked her potassium, or her potassium was low, so she started to have to take a potassium pill. Well, this was bothering her, and she's having more pain, and guess what? Blood pressure went a little higher, so she took another medication. Well, she wasn't feeling very good. She was still having pain. She noticed she wasn't sleeping very well at night. She went to her doctor and said, listen, I need some help sleeping. So guess what? He put her on a medicine called Ambien to help her sleep at night. Well, the medicine was making her sleepy at night, and she was going to sleep okay. But when she woke up, she was like in a big brain fog. So guess what she started doing? She says, I need something to get me going in the morning. So she started to take one of the five-hour energy drinks. Okay? Now, this is a true story. So she got going a little bit more, but this sort of given her skip beats in her heart. Okay? She's having skips because of the stress of the energy drink, and it was bothering her. And guess what? Her doctor put her on a beta blocker, which would help the heart skips. She still wasn't sleeping well at night. They found out that she had a condition. She gained a little extra weight more, and she had sleep apnea, so they put a sleep mask on her. She started having acid in her stomach, and she was put on an acid-blocking pill. And before you know it, her pain was bothering her so much that she finally went to a pain doctor who put her on a narcotic. The narcotic slowed down her bowels at age 42, and she got an infection called diverticulitis. They gave her an antibiotic that knocked out her, bad and good, knocked out her flora, and she got another infection on that called C. difficile colitis. Then, she finally had some big problems with her chest, and she had chest pain, and finally she saw me in the office. Started out with foot pain, diabetes, hypertension, sleep apnea, racing heart, chronic pain, small bowel obstruction, depression. Stress often creates a ripple effect. So, what was the real problem here? The high heel shoes. High-heel shoes actually, over time, created a stressor that created downhill effects. So if you can find the original stress, sometimes you can prevent problems from snowballing. I see this every day in the office. It just took time to unravel her story. Now, the bad news, Michelle lost her job through all this because she didn't fit the company thing. Before I saw her, she was getting a little bit depressed, too. They wanted her to put on an a antidepressant, but I said, no, let's not do that. And now today, after 10 years, Michelle's now 50 years old, in her 50s, and she's on no medications. Okay? But she is not wearing high-heel shoes, flats. Remember, we weren't necessarily designed to do a lot of things that we do today. You know, If you think about we weren't designed to sit, were we? We were designed to move. We weren't designed to be indoors. We were designed to be outdoors. We were designed to talk. We weren't designed to text. But it, then the, the, the world goes on and on about this. But as we get away from our, our, our patterns, stress often ensures and causes a ripple effect. So I think you can understand that I'm building a case for the cause of disease is stress. But before we do that, we have to define what stress is. Well, any physiologic change that occurs when we stray from our original design, I consider stress. We were designed to sleep so many hours a day. We don't do that. That puts stress on us. We were designed to drink water. We don't drink water. That puts some degree of stress. We were designed to do a lot of things. And as we break from that original design, there's some amount of stress that accumulates in our body. Not too long ago, I, I rented a car and I had to go and travel in the car, and I brought the car back to the the, the fella. And ha- if you, here, does anyone ever rent a car around here? It's quite an ordeal. You take the car back, and they look it all over, and you you, know, you have to sign a big contract, and you have to bring the car back just perfect. Because if you don't bring it back perfect, you get um, demerits off you. You know and I, I just barred it for a short period of time, and yet when I turned it in the the real owners of the car wanted to make sure I turned it in in perfect shape. Well, we sort of have a car that we're driving through life, and someday we're going to have to turn that in, and someone's going to look that over and say, listen, you know how did you take care of it? you know they're going to have a checklist did you were you a good steward of this rental car that you that you barred for why you were you're living in it so stress is a cause of disease, but let's look at general, the general approach by modern medicine. And let's look at the evidence and see how our society, how modern medicine is doing. And I admit, I am part of modern medicine too. Well, back in 1965, 51 years ago, we had about 632 deaths from cardiovascular disease. This was before modern medicine. Um, this was before all this. We move forward. In in 1975, we have about 724,000 deaths from heart disease. The incidence is going up. Cancer, stroke, still high. So even though we've made some great progress in medicine over those years, um, we still have lots of deaths from cardiovascular disease. 19 years ago, in 1997, uh, still about the same amount of deaths from, from heart disease, cancer, and stroke, about the same number of total deaths. Just 11 years. Look, We're at 630,000 deaths from heart disease, still 600 from cancer, but now we have a new chronic disease, and that new chronic disease that started appearing about 2005, that's incidence continues to grow, is Alzheimer's disease or dementia. Now we have another chronic disease to add, but at the same time, the incidences of our disease are not going down. So you ask yourself, you know, is modern medicine really solving the cause? And you have to say, if you look at the evidence, you look at the numbers, if you're an honest person, you have to say, no, it's really not. Now, is there a place for modern medicine? Absolutely. I practice it every day. If I'm having a heart attack, you know, give me a stent. If my heart's going too slow, I want a pacemaker. If I'm bleeding, sew me up. There's a place for modern medicine. But modern medicine's place, I found, is for acute problems. Get people over acute problems, and then find out, if they have chronic problems, the reason why. If, if, I, if I'm going to be put to sleep, I want some anesthetic. You know, Dad, give me some anesthetic if I'm being put to sleep. If I want a weak heart, I think defibrillators. Antibiotics are a great place. It's great. Can you put this here so oh, yeah. it doesn't get quiet when you turn your head? What would we do without these guys? Okay. Can everyone hear okay? So there is the place for modern medicine. But a lot of people think once I get modern medicine, it stops there. Well, I want to say Biblical Prescriptions for Life wants to get at the cause. So it's great for acute problems, but there's a difference between medicine and healing. We went to medical school. We didn't go to healing school. Medicines treat symptoms, but healing treats the cause. So we've looked at how things have gone for the last... 50 years, and we I think I can convince you that modern medicine doesn't really heal. It just treats a symptom, not a cause. And I'm hoping that as you think about this, you say, man, I think I want to get at the cause of problems now. I think I want to do something different um, that will get at the cause. But let's see what history has done with 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 medicine and healing. Well, there's, everyone's familiar with George Washington. Remember George? He was you know, he, he won the, the war and was president, and he got sick with a, some type of bronchial pneumonia. And they had the best doctors in the, in, in the States at that time come and care for George. And if you read through their notes, they wanted to take blood out of George. They, they bloodlet him. They pulled the blood out of him. And if you looked at how much blood was pulled out of George, they pulled out about half of his blood. So he went from a hemoglobin of about 14 to a hemoglobin of seven and yet he was having an infection and the doctors thought that that was the best thing for George. George's wife didn't want them around at the end. She knew that they weren't helping a whole lot but at the time you know they were considered the gurus and if I would have gone into that area and said listen guys I'm a doctor here too you know I went to the medical schools that you went to but I just don't think taking blood out of George is a good idea what would have they asked me to do? Would they say, well, come on in, you know, help out here. We'll listen to you. No, they wouldn't do that. There was too much, there's too much pride and arrogance and we know what's best and we can't take this. They would have asked me to leave the room. Well, George didn't turn out too good. Well, dentist, we have a dentist here today, and I'm sure he knows this. Back in the old days for dentistry, if they had an infected tooth and they were having pain, they used to give them this substance to help them feel better. This is called cocaine. This used to, they used to snort that and that's what they used to treat for dentists. And if you were a dentist and didn't use cocaine at one time, you were considered a bad dentist. And if you were a dentist that wanted to improve dental hygiene, perhaps pull a tooth or, or something like that, you were asked to leave because what we do is we use cocaine for bad teeth. You don't do that. You're not part of the establishment. In the 1930s, in the Journal of the American Medical Association for asthma, they recommend cigarettes for the treatment of asthma. Well, nowadays, if you said something like that, you just laugh at people. You know, the same old George Washington, the same if you you wanted to use cocaine for toothaches, You would just laugh at the people. So you must look at history and come to the conclusion that if you don't follow the crowd, you might be heading in the right direction when it comes to modern medicine. A few years ago I wrote a book called Medicines That Kill where I went through the data and I proved that the number one cause of death in the United States was medications. Tyndale was my publisher and it did very well in Europe, not too well in the United States because a couple of the drug companies got a little bit offended by that, but they couldn't make a big deal about it because it was true. The number one cause of death in America, medications. Of course, on that list, the highest right now is narcotics. On that list. So, so, so that book I wrote, and, and people said, Man, you, you must not be knowing what's going on. So, in this first 30 minutes together, I, I'm, I'm hoping to convince you that there's a place for modern medicine, but we need to add something more. We need to understand a little bit about stress. Stress defined by anything that goes against our original design. Stress primarily has a lot of effect on the brain, and we're going to learn how the brain affects our chemistry. It makes the stress mediators, adrenaline, cortisol, inflammatory mo- modulators, and the brain just wants to feel good and keep the body alive. But stress over long periods of time damages our DNA, damages our body to the point where we need medications. There are some of the chemicals that may many more than that. We're just finding out new ones like the cytokines, all the leukotrienes, all the, how those change under chronic stress. It damages our very DNA, our body, because we weren't made to live with stress all around us from all these different sources. We develop symptoms and then we get treatment. And sometimes the treatment, as in Michelle's case, often damages the body and causes stress. So are we really solving the problem? So, If you're under stress, how do you know that your body might be having this chemical milieu of stress? Well, some of the things that might happen is you might notice that your heart rate goes faster, or you might have skip beats, a a result of adrenaline. Blood pressure going up is a sign of high stress. Blood sugar, because of cortisol, you might not sleep at night. You might be insomnia. When this happens, the DNA changes. We make C-reactive proteins, and all these different chemicals go up. One of the things that chronic stress causes is depression because it affects the bowel flora, which affects serotonin levels in our brain. Um, our brain is not able to work as good, so we're not able to make good decisions. Michelle, when her body got under that kind of stress, she couldn't make a decision at all towards the end. You're prone to infections because you have a weaker immune system. So today, i want to teach you one thing that we can do to lower your stress right now at this very level, but hopefully... No one is stressed here. Okay, hopefully everyone feels good. But one thing I want you everyone to do is take a deep breath. Hold it for two seconds. Blow it out slow. In through the nose. Hold it two seconds. Blow it out slow. Can you feel your body feel different? just doing that activates the parasympathetic nervous system, which turns down acute stress chemistry. Have you ever been in an argument and someone said, listen, take some deep breaths and relax. You know, you're nervous, take some deep breaths. Well, deep breathing relaxes the body, turns off some of these stress chemicals by activating the part of the body called the parasympathetic nervous system. Some of my patients that are under the most stress, they breathe like this for 10 minutes, three times a day. Dr. Benson at Harvard calls this the relaxation response. Lowers blood pressure, lowers heart rates, improves your immune systems, helps you think better. Taking a big test, try taking some deep breaths. Feel like your body's under stress, start breathing deeply. So that's one thing that you can apply, a biblical prescription that you can apply to your life today to do well. Well, I want to finish this this first talk by talking about my friend here. Everyone likes babies. Is there anyone here that doesn't like babies? Does babies stress anybody, except when, when when they're nice and cuddly? Do they stress anybody? Everyone likes babies. Well, this is my baby friend, Hayden. And Hayden's about a year old now. But when Hayden was born... He did all sorts of nice things. And actually, my manager at Heartwise, Nick, this is his son, Hayden. My kids are all getting older now. But Hayden grew up one day. So he got his teeth first, and he started crawling. He started eating some food, and he started playing. Um, there he is at, you know, when he started feeding himself. But he started growing and developing one step at a time. Now, Hayden isn't aware of all the worldly stress that's going on, And eventually, Hayden started walking and took his first steps. But as we go through and learn about biblical prescriptions for life, I've noticed in working with people for 25 years, you can't do everything at once. And you can't get discouraged trying to make too many changes quickly. You have to take one step at a time and pick something you can be successful in. Now, the people that start running are the people that I take care of that are the sickest. And I have some of the sickest of the sickest that come in, and they can't walk across the room because of chest pain. They can make changes a lot quicker. But most of us have to take baby steps one step at a time. But the encouraging thing is as we take each step, there's always someone holding our hand, making sure that we do not fall down. So I hope that we figured out in these first minutes together why we're sick, And realize that most of our sickness comes from this chronic stress that we've been under from all sorts of areas, some that we can control, some that we can't control. When we stray from original design, it even puts more stress on the system, turns on that chemical cascade, and it's cumulative. get a little stress from not sleeping good, don't drink enough water, have a fight with somebody, have some pain in the body, taking some medicine, it goes above the ability to, to compensate, then that stress damages our DNA and eventually we have a symptom. And unfortunately, we often do not recognize chronic stress until a symptom develops. So we can have stress at some level accumulating in our body right now that we don't even know about. When people come to me in my office and tell me about their heart disease, I know that the heart disease didn't start now, it started 30, 40 years ago. It just, now it's showing its symptom. So chronic disease like cancer and heart disease and sleep apnea, high blood pressure, diabetes, it doesn't happen over in one day. It happens over time because of these chronic stressors. And if we can recognize stressors in an earlier age, we can turn off that stress chemistry and slow down the aging process in our body. But to do that, it's not easy. So we have to really get back to biblical prescriptions for life, realizing that we can have someone that's always holding our hands and we can take steps one um, step at a time. So in this first time together, I want you to realize the solution to chronic disease is to implement biblical prescriptions for life. And that's what this Bible study is all about, is learning this over a seven-week program, the simple steps. And we spend one whole week talking about how to reduce stress, one whole week about how to drink more water, but we also talk about the living water, one whole week about we don't call it exercise, we call it movement but also not only learning how to move better, but also walk with the God. One whole week about being outside and the benefits of fresh air and sunshines on our immune system, vitamin D, etc. Then we spend one whole week on nutrition, but we don't take people from A to Z because it might stress them too much. You've got to do one step at a time, meeting where, they, where they're at. We spend one whole week about mental health, getting the brain ready, and we end in one whole week about the physiology of worship. And we're going to talk about the physiology of worship a little bit in the third lecture. So we're finished with lecture number one. We're going to take a break and I'm going to ask the pastor to come up here and we're going to take a break here and then we're going to go on to our next session after about a 15 minute break.